Hey, Curtain Future Onophiles, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And we are the, the Bottle, Bottle Blondes. Blonde. We think wine is delicious, but we know that learning about it can be pretty overwhelming. We use our love of comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable because we are learning about it too. In improv, mistakes are gifts, and boy, are Ooh. we going to make some mistakes. So thanks for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. Give us a listen, and if you like our podcast, leave us a review. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine, all one word, and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Oh my god, it's so exciting. Hi. 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 Welcome to Bottle Blondes. Welcome to Bottle Blondes. The uh, Unstuffy Wine podcast for funny people with a mic upgrade. Oh my god, we have a whole equipment set up. We've got a multi-track recorder. We've got um, two dynamic microphones with pop filters. And we've got Audacity loaded up. It's it's hot up in heart. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so thank you. If you're still listening, thank you for bearing with the many episodes with our reporter in the field, Mike. We all gotta start somewhere, you know? We gotta, it's like, you know, young Anderson Cooper. I'm sure he would relate. Yeah, he was not, not always a silver fox. <laughs> he was probably a, a black and tan fox. A black and tan? <laughs> like a nice uh, yingling. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, we, we're, we're so excited for this episode. Yeah, we are uh, going to start scaling down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe been a little uh, ambitious, uh, you know, <coughs> Australia. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Merlot. <laughs> so uh, we are going to be covering uh, two grape varieties from the country of Austria today. We're not going to go super in-depth into the entire country and all the grapes. Uh, just really going to talk about the two darlings mm-hmm. of the country of Austria, which are, <coughs> oh God, Gruner Weltliner and Zweigelt. <laughs> so I... fun to say. Yes. Both of them are so fun to say. Uh, so yeah, one is a, a white, one is a red. So mm-hmm. we'll be uh, ping-ponging back and forth between uh, those two two wines today. Yeah, absolutely. And uh we could have, you know, we could talk a little, we'll talk a little bit about Austria, the different uh, regions, growing regions, um, a little bit of history, because it's got some really interesting history, and it's also got some really interesting, um, just like facts about it in terms of brewing practices, and um, has some of the strictest wine growing rules in European Union, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, probably a lot of it stems from the kind of rocky post-war production (laughs) scandals, which we'll get into a little bit later. But I can imagine that after almost poisoning millions of people that they would be pretty strict (laughs) with uh, the production criteria. Yeah, I agree. Austria, I mean, this country's seen some shit. (laughs) Okay? Seen some shit. It's participated in some shit. You know, the shit's gone down there. Yeah. And um, and they've, you know, come out on the other end with a lot of good wine. Which yes. is a great way to end up. Uh, yeah, their wine is, I guess, it's starting to be more up, up and coming mm-hmm. in uh, the United States. Uh, I guess what we would call the international market when referring to it coming from the European Union. Um, so it's it's still a little niche, and mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're going to just spread the, the joy and the love today. of <laughs> The joy and love of Austria. Yeah, in, in these rough times of 2020. God help us all. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do the history first? Or yeah, okay. let's talk cool. about some history. You um, history. you probably have some excellent uh, yeah, stuff there, sure. and then I will, and then I'll chime in. All <clears throat> right. So, um, you know, uh, going back uh, many, many, many moons ago, I love to say many moons. That's my favorite way of talking about time passing. <laughs> Year of our um, Lord. <laughs> Year of our Lord. Uh, Celts pr- planted the first grapes here, so it's going to be back in 4th century BC. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> jump way, way forward to the Middle Ages, and then, you know, some monks came in, took care of the vineyards that have been there for a long time, and things basically continued like this until about World War II. 
uh, or sorry, World War One, uh, when Austria was formed uh, following the Treaty of Saint Germain, and basically after this, uh, Austria was pretty impoverished and made just really cheap, cheap ass wine in mass quantities until around 1985, when we have. Um, the scandal that came about where corrupt Weinbergers made a big batch of cheap wine with uh, diethylene glycol, which is found in antifreeze. And mm. thankfully they were <laughs> caught. You know, it's actually a good thing that they did this because they were caught and then people started stopped making that awful mass produced wine. And then top quality wine producers came forward and essentially took Austria's wine production, um, you know, business and Re rebirthed the wine market. So now it's it's known for really high quality wine. And so they that's kind of what has produced some of these really strict wine uh, laws in the European Union and um, and why it's gained so much recognition, especially alongside wines like Riesling from Germany and Alsace. Um, it's, it's pretty well renowned by this point by wine critics. And now it's just kind of starting to hit, like, like you said, you and me, kind of like the mass wine market. Yes. Um, so that was really condensed history. Yeah, I, I actually had the exact same uh, wonderful condensed history here. I had little um, happy faces and sad faces <laughs> next to these facts. And then um, in the monks part, I also put, uh, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> There's always a good monk behind <laughs> all of these wines. <laughs> um, yeah, Austria is the home of other important historical figures like uh, Freud, mm -hmm. uh, Mozart. Oh, yes. uh, wait, where did the sound of music happen? Was that Austria? Was that in Austria? I could look it up real quick. No, far. maybe. I'm trying to think of that. Rick Stees of Strasbourg. No, I think Strasbourg is in. Wait, yeah, Strasbourg is in Austria. Quick geography lesson. Quick, let's find <laughs> out. Let's see, where did the sound of music happen? Because <laughs> it was a real story. Really, it was based off of a real story. I've met some of the heirs. Salzburg, Austria. Yes! <laughs> Did it! Good job! Uh, nope, I'm not even going to try to sing that. Um, <laughs> the sound of music. Yeah, Salzburg, uh, from that Rick Steves episode I watched, looks very... Uh, Rick Steves. Oh, look, Rick Steves. I love Rick Steves. I had an ex-boyfriend that hated him, and I would do an amazing uh, Rick Steves impression. Please Please do. I'm Rick Steves. Join me, join me on a magical journey through Salzburg as we tour the pavilion and areas that were once visited by people like Sigmund Freud and Mozart himself. I feel like I'm listening to NPR. <laughs> Dude, oh my god, that guy has the best job in the world. I really, he really does. And he's so silly. He's a big pothead. Big, really? That big, doesn't surprise big me. Big advocate does. for the weed legalization <laughs> movement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well all rick right. steves is not from austria so no, we will we, we digress we, di we did digress um, <laughs> <laughs> um so there's there's four main growing regions in austria um each of which have their own sub-regions um so there's lower austria which is really confusing because it's technically at the top of austria yeah i had to look i was this like, like which just drove me nuts <laughs> yeah, it just means, it, by lower Australia, it just means it's on the lower part of the Danube River. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So I mean, to them. <laughs> to no one else. To no one else. And then you got Bergenland, Styria, and Vienna. Yes, uh, Vienna being, I guess, the smallest and surrounding the uh, town of Vienna. Mm -hmm. it, the biggest one being the... I mean, we're just going to refer to it as Lower Australia, I think, because I am, I am going to, oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I am going to try and say it, though. <clears throat> oh, oh, I'm going to get ready. Oh, God. Whoa, <laughs> said that. that sounded cool. Yeah, it sounded way more Russian than Austrian, but that's okay. It's okay, you know. So, um, there's... <laughs> <laughs> Austria definitely has its own uh, wine, you know, quality control and rules and whatnot. Um, if you're at all familiar with the with the levels of ripeness in Germany, um, you'll recognize like land wine, or sorry, the levels of quality in Germany. You'll recognize words like land wine, qualitätswein, prädikatswein, and those are not well pronounced. Um, and you also have that uh, in Austria, but they they have to be something was interesting is that. All of the grapes that are grown in Austria have to be fully ripened, so there's no like ripening levels that are quite as like 
you know, knocked out as Germany. Anyways, that's a little nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Also, they have the largest uh, percentage of um, land under certified organic production in the European Union, which I thought was really cool. So you'll probably find a lot of organic wine if you're looking for Austrian wine. Uh, yeah, I think some some of the wines that I have are organic. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just to kind of put things in like perspective, uh, size wise, you know, Austria is the size of the state of Maine. Really? Yes. So I had no idea it was that small. It used to be, you know, humongous. Right, really big. Until the shit hit the fan. Until shit hit the fan. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a pretty tiny country. Uh, and those uh, regions that we talked about are kind of divided into different climates. So that lower Austria one is going to be a cooler climate region because uh, it's more north, obviously. And then Bergenland and uh, Vienna are a little bit uh, more moderate uh, to cool. And then this region of Styria is going to be uh, more of a warm, a warm climate. Oh, a warm climate. <laughs> a warm climate. We're going back to our Merlot. <laughs> oh, that was so nice to have the they crafty were so minis. Nice. They were so nice. Yeah. So nice to stop in for us. Uh, let's let's should we continue on to our grapes that we're going to be talking about yeah is there anything else you want to cover i think that was it i mean uh, i think you know i i get into a little bit more history with my uh wine so Mm -hmm. i think let's put put the history on hold and get to the grapes all right actually i am going to back up for just a second to talk a little bit more about those those wine rules um Something that was interesting is, so I was talking about how strict they are and laws, they are actually stipulate um, minimum sugar content of grapes, which is is really extreme um, and at harvest. And also they stipulate maximum alcohol levels for the wines that are grown in Austria. So uh, even after that, after, um, you know, the, the sugar level is measured in the grapes, and then the alcohol level is measured in the resulting wine. They also have to afterwards be scientifically tested, and each wine is given an official test number. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I kind of want that testing job. I mean, there's a tons of jobs that mm-hmm. I would rather have other than my actual job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to test to test wine, to, test. To, to breed grapes, to... Right? All that sounds crazy. Sounds like a blast. Uh, well, I guess we're going to start out with uh, the most popular grape. Most popular, one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite white varietals. It is Austria's most important and most widely planted. It is Gruner Veltliner. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and it's really fun to say. T-shirt cannon. <laughs> That's great. Grunewaldliner, um, <laughs> which is your new favorite phrase, um, it's an ancient grape. It's a natural cross between uh, the grape known as Sauvignon and then a really old grape uh, called Saint Georginer. I'm gonna say that that's how you say it because I don't know how else you'd say it. Georginer, it's yeah, it's like uh, some east coast of the United States. <laughs> you know, if someone was trying, if someone's name was Georgia, they'd call her Georgina. Georginer. <laughs> Sorry, East Coast. Sorry, East Coast. Um, So more acres are planted with Gruner uh, than any other variety in Austria. And it's most, you know, well-defined by its super high acidity. It has a lot of green kind of herbaceous notes. Um, White pepper is a really common characteristic. And it has, uh, it's it's really nice because it has kind of a full to uh, medium bodied, um, it's full to medium bodied and it has kind of really unique texture to it. Like there's some Gruners that you're going to get that will feel like pop rocks in your mouth. And that's why I really like it so much is because it has a lot of those really nice qualities from cooler climates like like Riesling with the high acidity and the citrus notes, but it also has a lot of like tangy savoriness to it. Um, it ripens super late and it's a super high yield grape. So it needs to be really, in, quality control is really, really important when you're growing it. Um, and then it has a bunch of similar names and uh, it goes by a bunch of other names in places like the Czech Republic, Hungary, Italy, and Germany. And I'm not going to list all those names because you probably won't come across those bottles on your normal supermarket shelf. And I don't want to pronounce them because I will butcher them. <laughs> We're good at butchering things here at... on the Bottle Blondes. <laughs> I was like, let's pick a country where we also can't pronounce any. 
<laughs> Sounds good. Um, it's it's an awesome weeknight wine. I mean, it's easy to pound. <laughs> it is. It's um, it sometimes can be almost a little uh, sour patchy. Yeah, it can be kind of bitter. Like yeah. if you are a fan of things like arugula or asparagus or you know bitter greens in general, I think you'd really like it. But it definitely can have that kind of like aftertaste to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think because, I mean, sometimes I get my food and wine pairings uh, mm-hmm. mixed up. Uh, this seems to be a wine that I feel would go good with a salad. Yeah, we I s- feel like it would. We struggle with, that's like a that's like a food pairing that I think people struggle with is I because. that's a good point. Um, especially it can make your salad taste, like a certain wine can make your salad taste funky mm-hmm. or the other way around. And I think because Gruner is already so you know, herbal and, yeah. and, and bitter that, you know, that will match well with the same stuff in your salad. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really spot on. It goes great with greens, um, goes great with Asian foods as so many white wines do. I'd say like chicken, seafood, goat cheese, kind of like uh, lighter and or funkier fare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that Gruner is definitely more prevalent in grocery stores and wine shops now than it has been in the past. That's good. So it should be more available to people. So if you like really high acid, uh, bright, fresh wines, Mm -hmm. then you should give this one a try. It's nice and refreshing. And I like that it's usually meteor, not meteor. (laughs) It's a meteor. It's a meteor. (laughs) Look to the sky. (laughs) Quick, call Superman. (laughs) I like that it's usually more medium to full bodied because I feel like it balances out that acidity. Um, I find that with white wines, I kind of prefer a a bigger body because it just, sometimes when those really high acid, really light bodied wines just kind of make my teeth buzz. Yeah, like like pick pool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I like those in, in small amounts, but like this is kind of just, like I said, it's a really good, easy weeknight drinking wine. When I first discovered Gruner Veltliner, I was just at a wine shop down the street, which sadly is now closed. And they were like, here's your new favorite thing. It comes in a liter. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Awesome. Not all of them do, but a lot of them do. And that's actually going to bring me to my first wine. I tried really hard to find an answer to why everything is in most stuff from Austria is in a liter bottle. Uh And I cannot find a good answer. That's dumb. (laughs) Screw you, Google. Um, So, yeah, this first one is a burger. (laughs) If you've looked for Gruner Veltliner before, you've probably encountered this. It has a really iconic label once once you've seen it, and they usually produce these in their one-liter bottles. They produce a bunch of other wines. They're kind of a bigger winery um, in Austria, and they cover 14 hectares. And they use, uh, you know, a lot of organic methods and cultured yeast. And they're in the Kremstall region of nor- of Lower Austria, a.k.a. the top of Austria. <laughs> oh, I have a wine from Kremstall, too. Oh, actually, both of my both of my gruners are from Kremstall. <laughs> I didn't really get that into, like, oh, I should diversify where these are coming from. And, yeah, that's okay. Um, I think, too, because it's more towards the, or Lower Australia is towards the top of Australia. Uh Austria, yeah. damn it, we're going to keep saying that, um, that it's cooler up there, and so you're going to find a lot of greener from there. It uh, it's also looks like it's grown pretty much around the city of Vienna, right? In the wine, wine region? Vine? The vine region? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's, in, it, it's like the wine region is kind of tucked into, it's getting like big spooned by lower Australia. So it's one could argue it's kind of all the same yeah. area. Okay, I'll <laughs> argue that. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Just sloshed. Uh, this is why we have tea tails down. Um, uh, when I was giving this a good old sniff, I got some lemon, um, you know, like wet rocks, like wet slate and breadfruit, which I had in Hawaii like a couple months ago when I went to Hawaii and I can't get that smell out of my head. <laughs> bread fruit? It's just like kind of tastes really bland like bread mm. but it's kind of sweet at the same time. Oh like um, 
the Hawaiian rolls that have like no, it's juice? a it's like a fruit. It's really weird. Oh, weird. And it's called breadfruit. Anyways, um, this is pretty good. It's not excellent. I I'd say that it has some nice like lemon and lime notes, um, some kind of bitterness, and you know it has a really nice kind of saline um, quality to it that makes it really savory. Oh yeah, I like that. I like a good uh, I like a good salinity mm-hmm. in the wine. Yeah, I actually had some Gruner one time when I went to a really weird German restaurant in Florida with my family. Oh, a German restaurant in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was strangely good, but very out of place. And I was like, well, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to order some Gruner to go with my spatzel. And um, it went pretty well. <laughs> good on you, Florida. Good on you, Florida. You don't always suck. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. This is definitely I get like a little lemon curd for mm-hmm. sure, um, white pepper. Yeah, yeah. A little, little, little porch poundery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's got that vibe. <laughs> the next one I have, um, I did like better. Ooh. It was a little bit nicer, like about you know, a little higher price point. But the burger you'll probably find for thirteen or fourteen bucks. Um, and then this one was like around 22. It is a Malat. I'm gonna Ooh. say that's how you say it. Uh, 2017 Gruner Veltliner from um, the Furtpalt region of Kremstal, which is again in Lower Austria, which is at the top of Austria. <laughs> so ah! This is driving me nuts. It really is. <laughs> All because of a river. I guess rivers are important to winemaking. <laughs> Cry me a river. Um, Oh, the color on this one is a little darker. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's still really pale, but it's a little bit more golden. Yeah. Um, It might be the mood lighting in this room. Yeah, we're in an intimate setting. We uh, (laughs) moved to the bedroom because Michael took over the the study with all of our boxes that we ordered from Ikea. And we haven't, we just made a big mess. (laughs) Mm. This one has a lot of nice, like, uh, ripe fruit notes, too. I was getting some banana in there, but not like in a really nasty way. It's like, you know, kind of like a little bit of a pear banana note. This is a little uh, little grapefruit action. Yeah, it tastes like pink grapefruit. I really noticed that. This one I think is really nicely balanced. It's, um, you know, kind of like a medium plus in terms of the body. Um, Almost tastes like it has a little bit of residual sugar, which I just, it probably doesn't, but it just has a really nice kind of like fruity note to it. Yeah, this is interesting. There's really a nice marriage here of, mm-hmm. I think, like citrus and just like a hint of some unripe, um, like stone fruit kind of yeah. like, like, a, like a pear or maybe or like some like, yeah, yeah. like some yellow apple skin. It's um, really nice. Um, it has a really nice finish too. Yeah, it's not as flat, I yeah. guess, as the other one. The other one was a little bit more flabby. Um, yeah, it kind of just drops off. It's like, hey! Goodbye. And it's like, I just kissed your tongue and now I'm leaving. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sensual Gruner it's over here. It's the light in here, Adrian. I told you, it's intimate. <laughs> this, <laughs> well, this wine has a lot of character. Um, it's grown on rocky low soils on the foothills of the Swift Gottwig Monastery. Oh, the Swift Gottwig Monastery. Yes. And uh, the grapes are handpicked and fermented in stainless steel tanks and then aged in large barrels. Um, I don't know if those barrels are oak, but they're they're neutral to a point because they're not supposed to impart any oak flavor. They were very specific about that. And then apparently those big barrels um, allow the wine to clarify without actually filtering it afterwards. I was like, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, we don't talk how, very much about how barrel size kind mm-hmm. of can really affect the uh, character of a wine. Obviously, yeah. the, the smaller the barrel, the more uh, the more yeah f- flavor, flavor yeah from, the more contact it'll have with those with the wood. Yeah, and in a lot like, wood, in, contact. <laughs> wood contact. Wood <laughs> contact. A lot of wood contact going on in this bedroom. Fucking hashtag wood contact. <laughs> So in in Austria and uh, in like Alsace uh, and in other parts of Germany, um, 
a lot of white wine is uh, aged in larger, mm-hmm. larger uh, neutral oak barrels, so there's not so much uh, flavor imparted. Uh, yeah. 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 Wood contact. Wood contact. <laughs> um, <laughs> one fun thing about Gruner Veltliner Ooh. is that in um, in Austria, it is colloquially referred to as groovy. <laughs> oh! It's a groovy wine. <laughs> oh, I feel like Europe's always a little behind uh-huh, on, on the cool, on like, cool slang. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Oh my gosh, but it, it tickles me. It, it really, really does. Groovy. 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 Can I get a cup of the groovy, please? <laughs> a chilled groovy a for chilled the table. Groovy for this delicious dinner. <laughs> I don't know why I just turned into a Bond villain, but I did. <laughs> um Is it this contraption groovy, Mr. Bond? Yes, I I suppose it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yes. <clears throat> um, should we move on to our surprise wine? Oh. Because I didn't want to... It's, it's another white wine, and I didn't want to move on to a red wine without, you know, going in the proper order. I think that it is quite acceptable for us to have our mystery wine. Mystery wine. Uh, early in the, in the show. Well, yes. thank you, Hallie, for allowing that. <laughs> You know, I am the first line of, uh, I was going to say defense. That's not correct. But that's where, I, that's what my brain fills in, so we're going to roll with that. Um, I'm the first line of defense in uh, dictating what uh, we talk about next. <laughs> no, that's a lie. This is an equal opportunity partnership in all ways and forms. All ways and forms in this intimate bedroom. Well, the reason, I, actually, I'm really just justifying this in a improv way where... <laughs> we say something and then we justify the reason behind it versus like intentionally doing it. But um, this wine that I'm going to present to you to guess, I'm going to tell you that it's a white wine. I'm going to tell you that um, it has a lot of similar characteristics of a Gruner Veltliner. Oh. So it kind of fits that you'll be tasting it back to back. Close your eyes. Oh. <clears throat> Just because the, the cap has words on it that would indicate what it might be or where it might be from. Yes. Very excited to see what this potential similar flavors. Open your eyes. Oh, mm. 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 oh it's also got a little bit of a slightly golden color. Oh, this is... <laughs> smells like a, like a gusher. I know. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. It smells like a like ch- childhood candy. <laughs> Specifically, childhood candy. <laughs> not not preteen candy, <laughs> coming of age candy, or adult candy, but child candy. <laughs> oh, oh, it's it's just got such a bizarre. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's bizarro town. Yeah, it's a weird one. All I'm smelling is is like fruit gusher, which yeah. I know is so nondescript because it's it's kind of like a fruit menagerie in here. <laughs> <laughs> but also like a like a little bit of funky, maybe like flint mm-hmm. stuff happening. Well, oh, better taste it. Oh yeah, okay. That's a little bit um, a little full, fuller body, mm-hmm. a little higher alcohol yeah. content on that one for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely some like apricot, um, you know, the acid is kind of there and then it leaves. It's yeah. Not, it's not as, I would say, salivating as a gruner. No. Um, I think you're right there. You're on the money. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Christ. Oh, good God. Yeah. Part of me is like, it's kind of got some Pinot Gris vibes to it, but I don't oh. think you'd have that oh, voluntarily in your no, house. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you cleverly deduced that. <laughs> What would you say? Is it new world or old world? I taste a little new worldy to me. Uh, probably a 2018. Uh, I think and... you're right on the year. Do you want to give it a stab? Oh, God. Oh, gee. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, it got a little peppery at the end there. Oh, mm. good. Okay. That's weird. I don't know. It tastes like... I, I'm going to say Chardonnay. No, that's not right, though. It's okay. 
Um, you're right on the fuller body and the spicy note. And this is a really crappy Albarino. <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's a 2018, though. You did get that right. That's a pretty heavy yeah. Albarino. I mean, I know that Albarinos are usually medium bodied. Mm-hmm. Um, which I was like, okay, that's kind of a similarity. That and the spiciness can be a similarity to the Gruner, but the the ripe notes on this are just like way out of whack. I feel like it's it's just too much. It's, it yeah. was $8, so. <laughs> Um, my favorite thing about Albarino is the region that it comes from in Spain. When you see it on the label, it looks very difficult to pronounce, mm-hmm. but it sounds so cool coming out of your mouth. It's Ria Spacious. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like a spaceship. Yeah, but it's pronounced, it's got like a big, did you hear me say a B? Because there's a B in there. Because there's a B in there. <laughs> um, yeah, this was real mediocre. <laughs> but I could see how Al, like a good Albarino and a Gruner oh, yeah. would be actually pretty, um, have a lot of the same... A lot of similarities. Oh, similarities yeah. happening there. Woo! Anyways, so yeah. you did. Thank you for I that think, yeah, journey. You're <laughs> that childhood candy journey. <laughs> hey, you got three out of four, or two out of three, right? Hey. 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 How do we... <laughs> Who would have thought? Who, who would have thought? Not me. Uh. All right. Are we moving on Let's to move our? Let's on. All right. It's my turn. <laughs> It is Hallie's turn. <laughs> turn into a child bully from a 30s cartoon there for a second. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be talking about uh, Austria's uh, most popular uh, red grape, which is pronounced, uh, American would probably say Zweigelt, or if you want to be fancy, Zweigelt. <laughs> and this is a wine that is savory, spicy, fresh, and food-friendly as fuck. <laughs> That's my banner for it's this wine. It's a porch pounder. It really is. This is a, um, a very like red fruit, uh, medium body, just kind of like the right amount of acidity. Uh, you know, everyday wine. It goes so good with food. It goes good by itself. Austrians pound this. Um, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. Uh, it's a cross between one of Austria's other more uh, prominent red grapes, which is a Blau Frankish, okay. and that is a grape that is a little bit more uh, leaning more on probably black fruits, and it's a little bit more inky, a little bit more um, <clears throat> fuller bodied, and it's also mixed with Saint Laurent, which is a German right. grape, which is very similar to um, Pinot Noir. So the grape is this lovely mix of the Blau Frankish, which gives it the kind of nice spicy element to it. Uh, a lot of notes you're going to get in this are like pepper, um, black peppercorn, some paprika maybe, and then mixed with the Saint Laurent, which gives it some more of those fruit aromatics that, um, you know, the Blau Frankish may not have. So it's a cross between these two grapes. Uh, and Zweigelt is primarily grown in Austria. Um, it also does grow in Hungary, Croatia, and a couple of New World regions, uh, up and coming region in the New World for Zweigelt is actually uh, Canada hmm. in uh, Ontario and British Columbia. And a little bit in a little AVA that we visited last year, the Puget Sound AVA oh, in Washington. Cute. <clears throat> so, like I said, um, cherry, raspberry are going to be some of those red fruit flavors you're going to get, black pepper. Um, and then for like secondary and tertiary, um, some herbal, like potting soil, clay pot, and a little bit of milk chocolate Ooh. in there as well. Mm. 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 <laughs> yeah, a lot of similarities with Pinot, and it's real, but it is very juicy. I've found them to be. Yeah, I it's, love it. It's um, it's good with a little chill on it too. Yeah, um, it's a good summer red. It is a good summer red, so you can pop it in the fridge. Great for a barbecue. Um. And this wine grows actually in all of the regions of Austria, but its uh, main one, of course, is going to be Lower Australia, which we know is in the northern part of the country, <laughs> uh, and Bergenland. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You're excused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this wine also uh, goes by a couple other uh, names on the bottle, which I'll get into a, in a little bit. Uh, but it will also go by Rotburger, which sounds 
really unappealing. Yep. <laughs> Sounds way less sexy than Zweigelt. So, but there is a reason. Yes. So uh, rot meaning uh, red and then berg being the second half of the town of where it was discovered. Not meaning rotten hamburger. <laughs> yes. Which is what one would think. Uh, it also goes by uh, Blauer Zweigelt huh. and uh, Zweigelt Traub, I believe. Hmm. So... <clears throat> yeah, you know, things that roll off the tongue easily. It's <laughs> super, super easy. <clears throat> excuse me. You are excused. All right. So, Zweigelt was discovered uh, in 1922 by somebody named Fritz Zweigelt. Uh, the grape was named after him. And Fritz Zweigelt was the head of the Federal Institute for Viticulture and Pomology in Austria. And they pretty much brought him on to you know, make Australian wines better. And Austrian, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> why is it Why is it so easy to say Australia and it has more letters? I have no I don't know. It's probably because we spent that... That whole episode <laughs> talking about Australia. Oh my gosh. Um, so he, you know, he found success with this mm-hmm. pretty quickly. He, he made this crossbreed within a year. It wasn't much. Wow. Yeah. Like within a year of being there, he made this discovery. The grape wasn't uh, like really propagated or popular until much later. Mm-hmm. But back then they saw this as like, oh man, this is. This is the next this, big thing. And it was was originally called Blauer Zweigelt or Zweigelt Traub. Although there's a lot of people who think that it, it was very first called uh, Rotburger. Okay. But that is not true. That <laughs> <laughs> <But it> is wrong. <laughs> but it is wrong. So, <clears throat> what's happening now is so, after World War One, Austria was kind of a hot mess. Mm-hmm. And so, when the German. <clears throat> stuff was you know yeah, brewing, rise to power it mm-hmm. was was brewing over there uh some people in austria uh, including mr fritz Weigel, was like oh yeah like our country's going to shit i'm gonna go with what's going on in germany so he aligned himself uh with what was going on uh and he was considered a nazi <laughs> he was very sim- pretty sympathetic to uh that cause uh, because he was ba- basically mostly interested in uh, furthering his career at the Institute. Uh, and he thought the best way to do that was to align himself with that fuckface. face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, very proud German nationalist. Um, and he ended up after the war, after the Soviet Union invaded, uh, he was actually tried for treason and he pled essentially as a sheep. I was a mere follower and I was just, you know, doing what I was told because I wanted to keep my job. Um, so he was released after six months. The charges were eventually lessened and he lived out his years on a restored pension. So he, his reputation was basically uh, tarnished, rightly so, by his affiliations with what went on. Uh, and he got off... Uh, easy living somewhere else the rest of his life so the issue now that a lot of people have is the grape was officially named after him in 1975 before austria was really ready to come to terms with their part in world war ii and i kind of was reading a couple of different really interesting articles about this is one from a website called grape collective uh, who also cited some articles from Jan? I can never say. Oh her. yeah, Janice. Janice. I think it's Jan Sis Robinson. Yes, who's um, a famous wine writer, and um, yeah. So everyone is kind of like, why do we have this grape named after this guy? Yeah, and it's a great <laughs> question. It's like, wait, why have we been using this? And especially now too that it's taking hold in an international market. Exactly. <laughs> Why so, I keep using it. So the head of the Australian wine marketing, oh, did I say Australia again? You did, but Jesus that's okay. Guys. I didn't actually I didn't actually notice it until you asked, did I say it again? <laughs> I know, okay. We should if we if we didn't have another episode to f- to record after this, I'd be like we should be drinking every time we Oh, yeah, that would be good. Then we'd be having a great Saturday night. We sure would. 
Um, so the head of the Austrian Wine Marketing Board hired somebody named da uh, Dr. Daniel Deckers to kind of like really go deep into this research. Dr. Daniel Deckers. Do I'm Dr. Deckers, and here's my research. So he's essentially writing this huge book on Fritz Zweigelt and why he did what he did and who he was. Um, but the reason that the Australian Wine Marketing Board wanted to do this is because they are starting to be more like, let's talk, let's talk about mm -hmm. how maybe we did some shitty shit. <laughs> and uh, we're not really, for, like Germany was better about acknowledging all the shit they did before Austria, Austria was. was. Yeah. So they were doing this in an effort to be transparent. And basically they're trying to figure out how to move forward. And they talked to a lot of different um, producers of Zweigelt, whose main grape is Zweigelt. And, you know, the problem is a lot of people have spent years investing in, like, marketing their wine yeah. and building their, not, not their empire, building their wineries, yeah, yeah. building their reputation. And they feel like making such a huge marketing or name change now would really set the wine industry back. And, you know, a lot of them are kind of like, well, we don't blame the grape right. for what this guy did. And a lot of, some other winemakers feel like it's a great opportunity to rebrand it, yeah. To rebrand it and to come to terms with Austria's history and um, kind I of open up that conversation. I uh, feel like that like, would actually be a positive marketing campaign and people might actually pay attention to that if, given everything that's going on in the world to be like, hey, we're publicly making this announcement and this change and you know that'll, that'll take hold and people will take notice of that and actually react positively to it. So yeah, it's a good conversation. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, uh, and currently a lot of winemakers do use Rotburger mm -hmm. on their label or they could use some of the other terms, but then what that leads to is labeling ambiguity yeah. and then people not really, you know, especially if it's not getting, if there's one thing that's <laughs> prominent in Europe, it's fucking labeling. ambiguity. <laughs> good God. <laughs> um, and then another interesting thing in this article was, uh, I guess from a more harsh perspective, was a guy who was like, how the hell am I going to market something called Rot Burger in America? Because as you <laughs> pointed out, it kind of sends like, yep. um, you know, <laughs> rotten burger. Um, so I yeah. feel like it's, you know, so many people are coming around to like natural wine nowadays and funky things like that, that it's kind of taking its own spin and hold that I feel like you can you can turn anything and make it into you can take anything that sounds goofy and make it into gold exactly and i feel like a lot of uh you know labels do play with the names weigelt being mm -hmm. kind of a silly sounding name yeah uh, and one of the bottles i have kind of uh displays that so i have oh. um oh i'm excited i have two examples of zweigelt uh they're actually from the two different regions uh so the first one cool. we have is where'd you go <clears throat> This is called, oh Jesus, <laughs> Vorspenhofmeier. Ooh, and I liked that. Yeah. Vorspenhofmeier. <laughs> this is from the Kremstel region, uh, which we were talking about. And this is one of the first areas where wine was actually uh, cultivated in the Middle Ages by our favorite brothers in the potato sacks with the rope belts, the monks. The monks. <laughs> the monks. <laughs> the monks. So um, this wine grower house, the house where the winery is, actually dates back to the 15th century as a horse changing station. I guess. The horses <laughs> must change somewhere. Yeah. I mean, they can't be wearing their same pair of pants on a journey. Absolutely. Not day in and day out. That would be a scandal. <laughs> I actually have no fucking clue what a horse changing station is. I did look it up. But they said uh, that's where they were stretched, hence the name Vorspanhof. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. Maybe it's shoe, like horseshoes. Who knows? I just like I wish I would have had the bandwidth to dive into the Austrian language, but I, but I, I did not. Don't blame you. Um, so yeah, this is actually kind of an older uh, Zweigelt. Uh, you can drink Zweigelt pretty young. Uh, you can have it the year after it was released. Um, probably be good for about five years and then you'd probably want to drink it so not super okay. seller worthy like i said it's just it's easy drinking but what's interesting about this particular wine is i think the age of it 
it being a 2017 really kind of jacks up some of the more savory notes that we find in Zweigelt. It smells like a Beaujolais. It's yeah. So fruity. Ooh, this opened up a little bit. This was a little, uh, <clears throat> a little tighter. Wait. So on the nose, I had like raspberry, uh, cherry, like but baked. These are like baked fruits. Typically mm -hmm. with a Zweigelt, we're gonna get like fresh, fresh fruits. Fruit. This these taste like pie, like almost yeah, pie a little filling. syrupy, kind of like a marionberry. Yeah, it's definitely got a very um, kind of ashy dirt, dried sage paprika. Okay, it smells a little bit like a hot dog to me. <laughs> It's, like in a really yummy way. It's pretty savory, this one. Um, yeah, this has got some wiener vibes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so glad you did that when I just took a sip. <laughs> oh, I would have done a spit take. But then I would have really stained your bed. <laughs> mm. Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty... Um, on the mouth, it's it's very tart cherry. Mm -hmm. It's it's super savory. It's like a yeah. it's like a hot dog soup. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like got that smoky, cured kind of flavor and a lot of herbs in there too. This is this is fun. Yeah, I don't know something that kind of maybe you won't, don't get this on the nose. It smells a little bit like an ashtray. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's so bizarre. It's it's interesting. I don't love it. It's a little flat. It, it leaves it leaves the palate pretty pretty quickly. I kind of wish it had was a little lighter bodied. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting though. Yeah, it's um, I think it's a different expression that we see of this grape than what we're used to having in, in the. I would agree. Uh, yeah. So the second one that I have is a little bit more in line of what we're used to, but I wanted to bring out uh, this one first uh, just because it's from that historical region in lower Austria, the Kremstel. Cool. Alright, so our second one that Ooh, fun we... label. Yeah. Fun label of... alert. <laughs> fun t-shirt cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I, this would be a yeah, this would be a pretty dope t-shirt. That would be a It's got like these cute little drawings of like chilies and rocket ships and flowers and cherries. Cute. Um, and it's in a liter. And it's this one is in a liter. I think these are both in liters, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. This one's just a... It's a, an, uh, it's, this is a secret liter. It's a secret liter. <laughs> You're a secret liter. <laughs> um, so this wine is from uh, Bergenland. So because this one is further south, you would think that this one would be the more fuller-bodied one. But that's not the case because this is a younger one. Okay. It's 2019, so it's... it's that is young. Pretty fresh. Pretty fresh. <laughs> Anybody remember 2019? Not me. <laughs> well, it was a better year. Better year than this year. Uh, that's for sure. So this is by two sisters, uh, Birgit and Katrine. Cute. Yeah. Their their website was super adorable. The winery is called... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fenizel Vineyard. Sure. Vineyards. Um... So they actually have vineyards in Austria. They also have them uh, in Hungary, and uh, they grow up quite a hearty amount of different grapes. They have Merlot, Shiraz. I don't know why they're calling it Shiraz in hmm. in Austria, which is strange to me. Maybe they're getting in line with the Austria equals Australia, even though they're completely different. Yeah, they're like, we want an L2. <laughs> uh, they also grow uh, Cab and then something called... Kick Francos and Zephyr, which I love, because uh, that's a cool breeze, baby. <laughs> Wait, kick, those are bridles? Yeah. Cool. Which I've never heard of and would love to find, but we would probably only find them in Hungary, mm. <laughs> unfortunately. So Bergenland is called the Land of Sunshine. So like I said, because it's the Land of Sunshine a little bit further south, the wine is going to be a little bit more uh, full-bodied. The, uh, the climate is more continental, meaning that it's not close to the coast it's further inland so let's try this one yeah this one, is, ooh, this one just hissed at me Ooh, which is funny because this wine i think you're really gonna like because it's definitely got that like pop rock thing ooh. happening for sure right off the bat the color is already a lot more yeah. like a nice um kind of light ruby the other Whoa. one is a little bit darker that smells like fruit punch yeah, this one is a lot of fresh raspberry. I actually got fresh cut apple on this one, uh, rhubarb, yeah. and then the signature kind of pepper notes that you get with a Zweigelt. 
and beautiful. You know, to me, all of those things on the nose uh, translated uh, to the palate as well. This one's got a little bit more acidity than the other one, um, although <clears throat> I think the other one needed it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more zing. Mm-hmm. That's delightful. Yeah. And it does have that kind of um, almost a little bit of like a peppery chewiness at the end too. Yeah. It's it's it's. I think this is a much more kind of classic example of Zweigelt. I think so too. But I thought it would definitely be fun to kind of contrast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that you brought two really different ones. In a nutshell, do we have a wine term? Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I mean, we don't necessarily need one. I think maybe something that, um, you know, we call ourselves the Unstuffy Wine Podcast. And I think uh, when people hear us talk about maybe like soil or climate or whatever, that that could be perceived as stuffy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, after you learn about the grapes, the next tier down is uh, learning about why they taste the way they taste. And that is because of the climate and the soil. We'll start to learn about wine and then you're like, you know what, now I am a geology. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing that fascinates me is when we talk about soil and why it matters is it's because grape vines don't like a lot of water Mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of grapes don't grow in certain states or countries it's because it's too wet or the soil is too thick like mm, too fertile yeah it, yeah vines like infertile soil because it makes them have to dig deep to find the shit mm-hmm. and you also don't want to have too much water otherwise the water bloats the grape yep. and that lo- lo- then you don't get the concentrated sugars which you need to make the alcohol so just yeah. a little sidebar lesson about why Soil is important because the grapes got to work for it, bitch. <laughs> if that grape can't love itself, how the hell is it going to love anybody else? Yes, queen. <laughs> well, that was a lovely sidebar. And I think that that is more than enough to cover our our history lesson or um, actually, I guess we had our history lesson, our word of the episode. Yes. Yeah. Soil. Soil. <laughs> It's what it grows in. <laughs> Should we do seven things? Oh, absolutely. It is seven things time. Let's see. Let's 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 order our wines in terms of favorite to least favorite. Oh boy. <clears throat> well, we've got We've got five. We've got five. We've got five. Oh boy. What a time to be alive. What a time to be... I'm yeah. gonna place these little puppies over here really quick so I can get a good Good shot for the grams. Follow us on Instagram. Where you can learn fun facts about wine. See awesome pictures of uh, wineries that you can go to once uh, coronavirus stops being a fucker. Fucking dick. (laughs) Oh boy. Man. I miss a lot of things. (laughs) Fun thing about the bottle blondes aren't very blonde right now. Because <laughs> we literally cannot get we our We literally hair physically cannot be blonde. <laughs> we cannot be blonde right now. All right, Adrian, why you go first? What was your favorite? Uh, my favorite was definitely this one that you just brought up, the um, the, Zwei, the Zweigler. Yes, that's their, oh yeah, I forgot to mention that's their pet name for the grape, which cute. I thought was very cute. Um, the the Burgett and Katrine's uh Zweigler. And then I would say my next favorite was um, the Malat Gruner. And then I really, I mean, even though it was so funky, I really enjoyed this Vorspenhof mare. <laughs> horse stretching, guys. Horse changing. Horse no. changing, horse stretching. No. <laughs> um, the burger was perfectly acceptable. Wait, I enjoyed it. And that then your- that Alvarino was a um, real, real duty. <laughs> So I'm going to say that this, um, yes, this Weigler is my very favorite. So let's use that for some. All right, Adrian. Yes. Seven things you would do while drinking Brigitte and, Katrin, and Katrine's Zweigelter. Um, I would uh, be sitting in an old-timey swing attached to a beautiful flowering tree and swinging back and forth. Oh, one. <laughs> I would say... Um, Maybe I would start a collection on Pinterest of quilts that I like. Oh, too. <laughs> um, 
Mm. And take a really nice big baguette and I <laughs> slice it <laughs> and get some brie and jam to Ooh. go with it. I was going to say, where's this going? <laughs> Three. <laughs> um, and start a succulent collection. Oh, four. Two collections. Oh, God, where am I going? <laughs> hmm, I think, yes, it's time to organize all of my shirts by color. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> yes, this is where it's going. <laughs> I go out onto my balcony one day and I was feeling really inspired and I'd say, hey, what's going on? <laughs> oh my God, I was like, where is this going? Born on blondes. <laughs> oh. um, so I guess that's six. I guess that was six, yeah. Yeah, and then... Um, Oh God! For the last one, I would, I would, um, I'd get like a really small. I'd, I'd go to like one of those wine collection places that's in town, and I'd buy like the smallest size collection box that they have. Oh, and start my collection. That's so collectory. Collectory. Yeah, damn it! Three collector no, things. It's okay. It's okay. This wine <gasps> makes me want to collect things. It's very sentimental. Seven things. Seven things. <laughs> Oh, oh Hallie, mm. take me on your journey. Oh, I'm ready to take you on a journey. <laughs> um, I think my lineup's going to be pretty similar to mm -hmm. yours. Um, I'm going to flip-flop the uh, Malat Gruner. Okay. I'll put that first. Except? And then I liked the, the Zweigelter. Mm -hmm. uh, and then followed by the other Zweigelt, uh, then the Burger Gruner. And <laughs> I'm sorry, Alberino. You weren't... Nobody got time for that. <laughs> I've been, like, slowly pawning this off on Michael, like, at night when he's like, "What? do we have any wine open? I'm like, yes, we do. <laughs> this one. This one. Drink it. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. Hmm. Hallie. Yes. So now that you have this Malat Gruner-Veltliner from Firthpat and Kremstel in mm. front of you, mm. what seven things would you do with this? Well, I would walk straight off my yacht into the yacht club and tell Kirk his watch is hideous. One. Kirk needs to know. I would storm right into the Ferrari dealership and tell Lucio his toupee is crooked. Two. I would stroll right into the farmer's market up to the cheese stand and I would tell Lou that his fromage is too stinky. <laughs> You're stinking up the farmer's market, Lou. Three. I would walk straight up to the United <laughs> Airlines desk. Oh, yes. And I'm, I am living for this one. <laughs> and I would tell Karen yes. she's rebooking that fucking flight without a change fee. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, it's time. Uh, what's that, four? Four. Uh, I, I would, get so enthralled. <laughs> I would walk straight into KGW Studios, <laughs> right up to Matt Zafino, <laughs> and I would say, you know what, it didn't fucking rain this morning. <laughs> Matt, you're wrong, that's five. I would walk straight in <laughs> to that open house. And Where? I would, in the West Hills. Yes. And tell that realtor that that countertop, that's not fucking marble. What is that shitty marble <laughs> substitute that like burns really easily? Yeah, exactly. Whatever the fuck that is. It's that. We're on to you. We're on to you. Marble dealers. <laughs> Be honest. Six. <laughs> I would walk straight into a Six Flags. And I would find seven-year-old holding an ice cream, and I would knock it out of his hand. Seven! <laughs> seven, seven things! things. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's quite a journey. This is a bold, bold Gruner Veltli. Yeah, I mean, it all... It goes beyond groovy. <laughs> it goes beyond groovy. Uh, it goes beyond wood contact. <laughs> 
Oh. It's a mulat for a modern man. It is a mulat for a modern man. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like we could make that commercial. Hire us. Hire us. We have... Um, we are a wine bottled lens wine marketing company. <laughs> exactly. We are expanding across multiple platforms. We're doing it all. Well, I think that wow. wraps up our... Our Austria episode. Oh, yep. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Australia. Whoops. And then I was going to say drink. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to drink anyways. It's true. It's true. Uh, well, thank you so much for, for if you're still with us, we appreciate it. And, yeah. um, we hope you enjoyed this quality upgrade in the audio <laughs> as much as we are because it feels very uh, NPR. It does. It does. Uh, all right. We'll catch you next time on Bottle Blondes. Bye. Bye.